0: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave?
1: Yeah, not bad. I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to finally make the decision to turn it into just a music pod because there's nothing else to talk about. So I think it was long overdue, actually, and I've, I've got my Spotify playlist prepared. Let's go.
0: Yeah, okay, so first of all, Britney Spears' second album, um, some absolute bangers on there. Um, where, where do you start with uh, with? Oops I Did It Again, Dave?
1: Well, I think it's very good, but if we're talking about the pop pantheon, unfortunately nothing comes close to Girls Aloud's first record, and their singles collection, I mean biology, is just one of the best tunes of all time.
0: Yeah, you compare them to One True Voice. For instance, um, no, it's uh, obviously Danny Schofield. It's uh, been removed from his duties as Huddersfield Town head coach um, after a two-one home defeat to Wigan. It was more of the same, unfortunately, Dave, wasn't it? You know, second half. At least they had a go this time. That was our big criticism after the Blackpool game was their failure to to amp things up and have a go. They did in this game. They got the equaliser and they still contrived to lose the game anyway. And mm-hmm. it was. I, th- I thought the whole 90 minutes was town season in a nutshell really and and that was that for Schofield. I think with both of a mind it was the right decision.
1: First half was the worst they've played under him. I thought it was, I really thought it was, it was that bad.
0: Bearing in mind the, sh- the level of the opposition, yeah.
1: The shape was wrong. I thought players weren't doing simple things correctly. Um, it was just frustrating and you like, your pressure passes, you want, the one thing down have been is way too risk adverse, so if they go a bit astray, then fair enough, but when you've got zero pressure passes going out for throw-ins, um, and when you're, you know, one nil down, and your option is Tom Leeds hitting a booming diagonal to Dwayne Holmes, who's got <coughs> two defenders on him, it just it just wasn't working, and like they may have had a go second half but I just I can't I'm struggling to give them credit for that because they're coming from behind the eight ball again you know how many times can you say well they've had a go because they've had to because they were losing Mm. and every player on that pitch who walked off at half time the atmosphere in that stadium was was toxic so what was their option they had to come out and have a go because if they'd come out and been even worse (laughs) I, I you know I'd I hate to think what the reaction would have been it was bad enough but but also I felt and listen this is just my view but I felt Danny Schofield looked a bit of a beaten man second half his his he wasn't doing an awful lot of managing if if truth be told um he was he was quite reserved quite pulled back he he looked like a man who didn't quite know what to do with what was playing out in front of him um and I know that sounds harsh but it really did, and like the shape was just all over the place. I don't know what he was doing, if you if with that sort of false defensive midfielder, mm. with Utah that just didn't the inverted work wing it. back
0: Pep Guardiola over here. No. Um, this is the thing. I mean, with the best will in the world, Naki Armour is not Carl Walker. No, um, and uh, yeah, I, you know if you're gonna play three midfielders. Surely you play three midfielders, mm. and I know Jonathan Hogg was injured. But, you know, Etienne Kamara had played for the B team earlier that day. Was he not an option? If you don't want to play John Russell? Mm. Um, you know, Kasumi played ninety minutes. I thought Kasumu and Holmes were and Jordan Rhodes, in fairness, who came off the bench were the players who came out of that game with any credit at all. Um, maybe a slight case for Pat Jones, but other than that, I don't think there's any real positives to, to talk about with the the players that were on show. Um and as you say, tactically it was it was wrong. Um, and Betse, you know, making his first league start, so we're not going to nail him too much, but gives away that penalty. It's, he has to make a challenge, but it is a poor challenge. Cosimo showed him how it was done early in the second Mm. half. Mm. And, you know, you said when we did our Facebook Live afterwards, you know, Danny Schofield keeps talking about moments going against Huddersfield Town. And yeah, there were a couple, you know, they hit the bar, etc. But, um... (laughs) You could say there were an equal, possibly greater number of moments that went against Wigan.
1: Yeah, that was, um, the, that was the point I was making because there seemed to be quite a few people saying they thought Town should have won that game. I, I think you can say that on the basis of if you only look at the two big chances that were missed. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> Wigan missed what was effectively an open goal with that header in the second half. And it would have been 2 0 up and. Out of sight. To be honest with you, they had the one and one where he took a poor touch going around the goalkeeper. There was other moments as well. It just last night. Trying to be analytical, we've been nowhere near as negative as I think some fans have because ultimately the result is not the thing that shapes our overall opinion. But the thing was last night that 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 first half. I mean, when we were walking in at half time you know, I said to you it was just it was just dreadful, really, really was dreadful, mm. and you think they've had extra time to prepare for that game yeah, not <laughs> it, for
0: the first time, if you think of Norwich as well
1: yeah they've had they've had more than enough time to get themselves set, and more importantly to know exactly what they're gonna do in that game, so when you come in at half time and you go I- I'm genuinely not too sure what the aim of this is because However Danny has tried to play that 3-4-3, three, three, however he set it up, he's always left a huge gap somewhere on the pitch. And he did it again because by tucking Utah in, they just kept going to Callum Lang down that side and Mbete and, and were pulled out time and time again.
0: An 18-year-old making his first ever league yeah. start.
1: Pulled out into a into an ocean of space time and time again, and I thought he did reasonably well. I mean, the the penalty was a penalty. I saw a few people saying it wasn't. And I know oh, it was absolutely a penalty. Off, you can't scissor tackle. You cannot scissor tackle even if you get a foot on the ball first. But it was sort of symptomatic of a player who was playing under sort of a lot of stress in his mm. first game. And yeah, it just all felt inevitable last night, didn't it? Really,
0: it did. Yeah, I mean, it was. I was. Surprised to see Danny Schofield come out for the post-match press conference. In all honesty, um, yeah, I mean the the issue is, you know, if you were talking about two or three players that were underperforming, that's one thing. But consistently this season, it's been eight, nine, or ten. And you know, I think last night you sort of typifies it because you go right through the team. You know, Danny Ward missing a sitter that last season he puts away, and any other touch takes it in on the wing. Sorba Thomas. Uh, completely anonymous. Um, you know, in midfield, you've mentioned the, the situation with Nakiyama. That was a bit of a mess, and Radoni wasn't terribly effective either. He was working hard, try to make things happen, but I don't think he was terribly effective. Uh, the back three, you know, they've conceded a penalty, they've conceded two goals. Uh, Tom Lee's got the goal all right, but you know, he also was way too tentative on the ball and, and making poor decisions. And then Lee Nicholls, who had his easily his worst game mm. in a town shirt. Yeah. Easily. You know, he, he gave the ball away twice. Um, not for the first time this season, playing short passes out straight to opponents, which he, he didn't do last season. Uh, and I, I don't know what he's doing on the, the, the winning goal for Wigan. Uh, well, I've absolutely no idea how was ended up I, there.
1: I've, I've watched it a few times now, and I, th- I think he just loses... Uh, he loses sight of his posts, so he I think he thinks when he takes that step he's coming to be more central so he can go either side, and he realizes way too late that what he's actually done is taken a step way too far over to the left and just mm-hmm. left a huge target basically to pass the ball into, but like Lee Nichols is the one player he gets a gimme, doesn't he? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I wrote about it in the conclusions and I think he has lost his aura of invincibility this season because it's not the first time we've seen him play those poor passes out. There's oh, been um, they were shocking. Co- There's been a couple of goals that he should have saved, thinking specifically against Birmingham, and uh, there was another one as well that I, I think arguably he, he should probably have kept out. But, uh, you know, it, it, we're not getting on at Lee Nichols, but we're sort of singling it out as a way of saying that these are problems that are running through the whole team, including, and we've said it a million times already this season, we're only nine games in, um, but these are problems that we just didn't see from experienced players last season and you know and again to repeat the point we made on the podcast on Saturday um, there's si- there's signs with the new signings that we like them and we like what they can do and we like what they can offer but consistently they've just been less than the sum of their parts and unfortunately that's where the head coach has to go and I, I think it's you know, it, it pains us to say it because we like Danny Schofield on a personal level. Sure, he's an excellent coach. You know, all the best to him in his future career, and, and I know that a lot of town fans will always be affectionate towards him because of his playing days. And I, I think in time that it will revert to that's what he's remembered for is you know devoted servant in his playing days, uh, and as a coach, uh, both at academy level and under Carlos Corberan. Um But as a head coach, it it simply wasn't working out, and they had to make that call and they had to do it then.
1: Yeah. Um we were we were there l- last night. We may as well sort of fill in the timeline a little bit, haven't we? And we were sat in the press room after hanging round. Danny came in quite quickly, which we were both a little bit surprised about. But um afterwards we had sort of word that it was it was not going to happen sort of imminently as in don't I hang know. around at the ground tonight um etc but sort of my feeling was that I thought I thought when people would and I sort of told you when people slept on that performance and the situation I think I thought they were going to wake up and think think it was sort of untenable at that point and so it proved and I, like I think Danny is probably a good coach but the job the nature of how the job came to him I think probably killed him more than anything because 3 weeks before the season starts taking over from a coach who was so sort of methodology driven and so fine detail and so control driven it's just you look back and whatever you think of danny and i think you're exactly right i think a lot of fans are still going to have affection for him hopefully going forward but whatever you think of 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 him really tough gig steve i thought really tough gig
0: i'm in two minds on it to be honest um I think if you look at the position that other that previous managers, head coaches have walked into, almost exclusively, it's been managers, head coaches walking into a job because someone's just been sacked for underperformance, which is the position the next manager's going into. Danny Schofield is the first town, ma- town manager in a long, long time who has inherited a team that's actually just come off a good moment and the manager's left because... Um, he's essentially had a better offer elsewhere, as it turns out Carlos Corbran obviously did with Olympiacos. So I I know it was a difficult summer. There was a lot of upheaval. And I I don't think it was an easy job by any means. You know, it's not like taking over, you know, um, I don't know, Brighton and Hove, (laughs) Albion. no I don't think it was I don't think it was an easy job um, following on because you never want to be the guy after the guy Uh, I think the the fixes they had were difficult to start the season as well it's worth saying um, you know even before the season began when you looked at league positions last year it was I think the second hardest in the division Um, but you know Sheffield United had the hardest on paper I think if I recall correctly and and look at them so I, I I have a lot of sympathy but what I don't understand is Danny Schofield was appointed as a continuity appointment. The whole point of of bringing him in as Carlos's successor um, and promoting him to that role, rather than looking externally, was to provide continuity with um, from from what Carlos had done last season. And instead, he immediately sort of tears it up and starts playing a system. <laughs> that they'd never played last season. I know they played 4-4-2 at times, but it wasn't a high-press 4-4-2. Um, and they basically wasted the whole summer on that. And that's time you simply can't get back. And then it took him until half-time in the Preston game, or 30 minutes into the Preston game, for him to change it. So that's another three games wasted. All right, one of them's a cup game, but even still, I think yeah. that that has put him on the back foot straight away.
1: But... It, it's it's the, it's about being the man after the man for me. That's, yes, that's yeah. the thing. He he was. If you were taken over from Carlos Corbran, I think what you would really want in an ideal world is a a full summer, not three weeks. B. I think you would have to very seriously look at the squad and the first eleven because they'd lost so many people. You know, is it was it five or six players who actually started the playoff final and gone out the door. I think bedding them in as well very very difficult. I think you're exactly right with the wasted time in pre-season and that's a point we've both made on here we're both on the record about that but I I just think, as I said, I think there are other factors as well. There are there are players in that team who, hand on heart, and uh, this is quite a we we are analytical, so we're not saying anything, or, or I'm not saying anything from any sort of inside knowledge or anything like that. But there are players on that who've been on that pitch this season who just frankly haven't been good enough either. You know, mm-hmm. like true. Danny Schofield has has set teams up. Expecting them be, to be competitive and three or four players on the pitch have been way below the level that's actually required. That's that's an issue. Now, don't get me wrong. Danny's ultimately in charge of picking the side, and he's ultimately in charge of the squad. But yeah, the, the the sort of the radical, almost overnight change in form of some people as well has not helped in the yeah. slightest. And you could. I think the most damning thing is though Steve you could see last night with Sorber's reaction when he came off at half time Mm -hmm. with Dwayne Holmes' reaction you could see realistically that uh, that squad was not happy like I just can't there's no other way to say it really I just I just think that squad had had fractured a bit bear in mind their strength last season was their unity Unity. and, and working together and the problem is, when you have that situation, when you have that lightning in the bottle where you just get the perfect mix of people, once you remove a couple of key cornerstones of that, it does collapse really, really quickly. You know, really, really yeah. quickly. and I, I think I,
0: Harry Toffolo in particular, the big character he was.
1: Yeah, and I think it's not just Harry Sophona you know was incredibly popular yeah. to believe with a lot of the players yeah. you know Lewis O'Brien was quiet but he was uh, commanding a immense amount bearer. of respect you know yeah. um and you know you can go on and go through them so there's a lot of factors not just Danny schofield here and I hope that there aren't fans who who just who sort of solely lay the blame at Danny's door? Because I just don't, I think it would have been a tough gig for an awful lot of people. There are some managers who would have come in and done things completely different, and it'd be a very different situation, and things would probably be fine. I'm not going to pretend there's not, but they're also you know in the wider context, I think that is a very tough gig for a hell of a lot of people. Yeah. It. But as your first gig. <laughs> I think that was uh, a bit of a hospital pass, really. But absolutely not his fault for accepting it, because you would, wouldn't you, in his position? Yeah,
0: and I'm not saying the club are blameless in this. The the point I'm making is more just, uh, I think it's... I think he failed to recognise why they had given him that job, which is, as I say, provide continuity. And then the first thing he does is try and change everything about the way they play, which makes no sense to me. But, you know, easy to say in in hindsight, perhaps that wasn't as evident to him at the time. Perhaps he didn't realise how big the changes were. I feel like there's a world where he goes for that continuity and I don't think they're third, but I think they're probably 15th now. (laughs) rather than 23rd Um, but we'll never know you know I might be completely wrong on that I think you're right that the dressing room has been down for a while and to be honest it's been quite evident in the press conferences we've had with the players I think they've been it's it's difficult when it's new players because you don't know them you don't have anything to compare it to but I think of like John Russell, Lee Nichols, the the presses we had with them in particular were um, notably quite Downbeat, and mm. to be honest, you know, they were saying the positive stuff, and you know, the, the you know, we're staying positive, we're not blaming anyone, we know it's not been good enough, etc. All the, the, the stuff you'd expect, but I don't think there was much conviction behind it, you know. Mm. Um, and I think that's sort of a, a key lesson they need to take into, into their next appointment, um, as well, because I think we know that, that Carlos was very withholding with his praise, uh, particularly in his first season. Um, Unless you were Jonathan Hogg, you weren't getting a lot of praise out of Carlos Gorbran, at least not publicly. Danny Schofield, I think, was positive to a fault you know, he, he was clearly, you know, he, he admitted he was struggling with the, the, the pressure, of the scrutiny. He made that quite clear early on. He didn't like being in front of the media, um, but he always tried to stay completely upbeat, completely positive, um, rarely single out people for criticism, always quick with praise and try to find the positives and... You wonder a little bit if, you know, obviously, I think motivation, I think it's quite psychologically sound to say that a lot, most people need a, a bit of stick and a bit of carrot, and however, whatever quantity you need each in varies from person to person. But I think there's probably an argument on the evidence that we have at the moment that this is a squad that probably needs a little bit more stick than Carrot Uh, and it feels like Danny Schofield was all Carrot.
1: Yeah, uh, there's absolutely no denying that. (coughs) I I even, I'd go further and say it felt like he was a bit all Carrot on the sideline as well and I think in games where you lose and in games where you're clearly not doing good enough there's no way a Carlos Corcoran would be as passive in in certain phases of play and it, when town clearly weren't <laughs> doing well enough that's there's it.
0: no way there's no way Carlos would be so passive in phases of play where town were 3-0 up <laughs> yeah yeah
1: but that's the world that squad has come from
0: yeah exactly that's that's the it's, issue so it's it's not right for everyone there's all the squads no. where it's completely the other way round and they need that love and encouragement and pats on the back you know you look at Rotherham for instance mm. um but i think <sighs> You know, Carlos was absolutely the other way, and and I, I think that there's an argument there that that is what they need again when they when they're looking at the next appointment is can they get someone in who can go back to that and who will motivate the specific characters in this squad?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult situation because we can sort of only go on what we can see and and the little bits we're told, and yeah, you know we. We've known Danny's been under sort of... The scrutiny has ramped up recently. And the thing is, as much as we talk about things needing to change and... Various other things. I I just I feel I feel for the bloke really because I just don't think yeah. he's been able to handle it. And I think with the way that club is now in terms of where the fans are and various other factors, the next person who comes in has got to have very broad shoulders because I think not only have they got yeah. to basically rule that squad um with a sort of rod of iron for a little while, but I also think they've got to be prepared to to almost take on the job of of turning the turning the the club's fans around by themselves because whatever they do now we're going to talk about potential candidates and there's one obviously big one we've got to talk about but it huh. does need a it does need a reset and that sounds mad to say it when you know, four weeks before the season started, we were expecting the third year of Corbran and what would that look like and etc. But here we are now saying, you know, realistically it needs a reset and yeah, we better talk about what comes next.
0: Well, I think as the first step on that is what responsibility do you think the club bear for this situation as, as an entity from, from sort of Board, Lee Bromby? what do you think they could have been done differently to to stop the situation from happening
1: let's do it in percentages the club 33% <laughs> no i think I, the club obviously has to bear some responsibility cuz i just i i i think danny i think danny scofield was perhaps the easiest appointment to make in the circumstances. Now, they wanted a continuity candidate and they thought Danny was it. And I completely get that. And do you know what? I still sit here and I maintain it wasn't... I don't think it was necessarily the wrong decision. But, you know, ultimately, I don't... I think the big thing I keep coming back to, Steve, is that I think he needed, in the dugout next to him, a... Proper old-fashioned assistant manager with a hell of a lot of experience behind him, preferably championship experience. Yeah, a
0: Mike Phelan type figure. Yeah,
1: that feels like the failing to me because that lack of support for him, if you genuinely wanted him to to work over the longer term, I I thought was a key a a key thing that. Yeah, and so the problem was that I think Danny took a lot on his own shoulders um, and didn't get enough support around that area it's difficult to say because we don't know what exact discussions were had but the standards that they set for him ultimately he wasn't hitting now did he have all the tools and all the support he needed to hit those well the one thing you can say Steve is that first 11 fully fit is good and Huddersfield Town Squad is good so all we can say is that the season so far has been a massive underperformance so I think there are things the club need to, to look at and need to shoulder the blame for but ultimately what has to happen is they have to get somebody in who's the right man who takes them forward now because they've gone backwards now for two months. That's yeah. that's the issue.
0: I think there's a contrast, a clear contrast as well um, from last season in their work in the transfer window. Um, you know, they last year... The only signing they made, well, they didn't make a single deadline day signing. They made they signed for on loan uh, the day before the window shut, and that was only because Jordan Rhodes had just got injured, uh, and then he barely played anyway. And it turns mm-hmm. out, you know, they didn't particularly need him this year. You had three signings on deadline day, mm-hmm. and two of them you would say they quite desperately needed. You know, two of them were in the starting lineup um, last night, so uh, I, I understand that. You know, we've made. I think appropriate caveats around it, it was a it's a tougher window this year mm-hmm. they they were spending money rather than signing free agents which always slows things down yeah uh, they were signing attacking players rather than defensive players which always slows things down the wage bill need had less wiggle room in it because they hadn't had the big wage releases that they'd had last summer uh, which obviously which again slows things down so there's reasons behind it but you know, and obviously Matty Pearson's injury is one of the reasons they needed that extra yeah. centre-back in, plus Edmunds Green not being fit, which mm-hmm. I think they would have expected him to turn up to pre-season in, in, in good shape. So, um, yeah, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think it's never a great look for a club when you are having to sort of scramble on deadline day and you're sitting there until half past 11 hoping that that centre-back signing mm-hmm. gets over the line. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe there's lessons there, and and making sure that next year, you know, whatever releases they have planned, they already know, right? Well, we're bringing in this player, this player, this player to replace to replace them. Mm. Um, which you know, I know that they did with with a number of players. You know, Simpson dragged on all summer. Rodone, uh they identified very early. Uh, Kasumi, they'd been after for a long time. <sighs> but um, yeah, I don't think it helped. However, it came yeah. about. Yeah.
1: So. And the it's worth talking about the outs as well, Steve, because yeah, absolutely, we literally knew the day after the playoff final that that Forrest were after Harry Toffolo, and the thing was, these things do take time, and I know you had to go off and get married and various other things, but. I know they were trying to negotiate to get the best deal they possibly could and various other things, but at the same time, I don't think that helped them at all and either. Forest Forrest
0: were faffing about as well, from, yeah. from what I gather.
1: Oh, yeah, but you know, we, we got to the point where it's worth remembering they they didn't go till two weeks before the season started. Yeah. And that was a sort of weird atmosphere hanging around the squad. You know, these things affect players, <laughs> affects groups of players, because they're all still in the WhatsApp groups. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and things things are being said etc so I just think there's a lot of factors, and again, I think you have to remove Danny Schofield because it's far easier to remove Danny Schofield than any other piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's just the way football is, it's just the way football works. But also, you know, I think you have to look at it and say, okay, well, the reason we're in this position is not 100% down to Danny Schofield. There are a lot of factors here, but it's that classic thing I've said on here before, of when you look at it and you go, okay, so there was a a whole series of little, little issues then you go, well, hang on a second, yeah. a whole series of little issues is actually a big issue, isn't it? You know, like, 10 tens are still 100. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I think when you sort of take all these things you said on a case-by-case basis, there's reasons behind all of it. Oh, them, yeah. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a sort of multiplicative effect, isn't it?
1: Um, rather and than they, they, additive. And also, it's worth saying, Steve, they're being judged by their own standards here. Yeah, yeah. that's. The we thing. all know they captured lightning in a bottle last season. We all know that it was a slightly freakish run to the playoff final, in truth. Not like the slightly freakish promotion season, but just from the point of view of... They kept defying the odds. They kept uh, surprising even me and you, Steve. (laughs) It just it just kept going and going and going. So when you've done that, it's very very difficult the following season to say, okay, well if we finish sixteenth, that's been a good season, (laughs) or that's fine, or that's okay. You've just finished third, so. Being in the relegation zone right now is a not just one person's fault, but B it is a huge underperformance, however you try to frame it, yeah. from manager, from players, from you know, people involved. So
0: I, I think fans' expectations had actually dropped appropriately after Carlos went as well. I think I if thought, Carlos had still been there, people would have been expecting the playoffs. But I think as soon as Carlos went, I think people were going, right, well we've done well if we finished up after this season.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean even then I don't think there was an awful lot of talk about him. And oh no that's,
0: that's exactly what there and that's exactly what I'm saying even with that appropriate drop yeah. in, in the fans expectations they've way underperformed
1: and the other factor here is Steve I know what you're saying about the n- the nature of the deals and I criticise you know some of the outs etc but right now, at this moment in time, they've had a good transfer window. Yeah, yeah. Look at have. the look at the strongest eleven. Look at the squad now in terms of two players for every position. Th- that's not a bottom three squad. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not, a, not. And you can't that squad and that first eleven can't lose at home to Blackpool and can't follow that up by losing at home to Wigan. That's yeah. that's the thing, and that's when we're saying underperformance. That's exactly what we're pointing to.
0: Next manager, then. I mean. Let's talk about David Wagner, first of all, (laughs) because that's what everyone's, let's be honest, everyone's tuning in to hear us talk about David Wagner, haven't they? Um, I understand the clamour to get him back. club are being quite tight-lipped on their intentions, as they always are when there's a new manager, and to be honest, that's as it should be. They'll talk to me about certain things, but I can understand why they wouldn't want to divulge stuff when it comes to who they're looking at for their next manager etc um so i get that um so we're, we're talking here about you know the names that have been floating around really um or at least the one name that's been floating around mm. um which is is david wagner what would you make of that
1: <sighs> I, I, I'm gonna get myself in massive trouble. Now. <laughs>
0: Here I am lowering uh, the lobster of David Hartrick into a pot of boiling water.
1: Yeah, you've just what you've done is you've just played a ball between me and Jonathan Hogg, and well, it's just slightly in Hoggy's favour. Tell you That's what, what, you've done.
0: Shall I? I'll make the case for David Wagner then. Yeah,
1: and I'll, uh, make, I'll make the case against and lose about a thousand Twitter followers. <laughs>
0: it's a big PR win for the club, first of all, and. That's not just important for hooray, the club get to protect their image. It's important to the atmosphere at the stadium. And I think Dean Hoyle is a big believer in the value of, of atmosphere. Um, you know, which is why he did those um, you know, cheap ticket offers for certain games last season where he felt like the, the team particularly needed a lift. Um, so that's one thing. I think it would lift the crowd. I think, you know, we talk about the softness that the team has shown. And I think that sort of is a reflection of Danny Schofield's um, personality and approach, unfortunately. Um, and I think David Wagner would bring a different kind of authority. I think the players would look at his achievements last time he was at town and say, you know, he is um, he's accomplished something. We should listen to this guy. We should do what he says, which I don't know was necessarily happening with Danny Schofield. I think he fits the... Framing coach work. Uh, framing coach work. Yeah, I think he fits their coaching framework, um, you know, which I think was sort of an evolution of where of of what Dave Dragner did sort of five years ago. And yeah, I, th- I think those are the, the key factors, obviously, is out of out of work at the moment as well and i think we can you know again we are sort of speculating here we're discussing it as a uh an academic exercise because i think by discussing david wagner we can really drill into what exactly huddersfield town needs that's sort of the case for him and that's even le- leaving aside the sort of the sentimental reasons uh that he might be attractive where do you think it falls down
1: right one goatee beards are rubbish <laughs> No, hey. he's, <laughs> uh, no, he's got rid of it anyway. Um, oh, yeah,
0: I'm on a mustache now. All right,
1: I just th- th- there are a few there are a few factors that that a it, it, there's a reason people say don't go back, and it's because it's very very difficult to uh, to sort of create what you had before. I think you have to look at the way it ended with David Wagner, which was just a sort of complete collapse, um, of which he played a big part as well, and. Uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of people who said oh no that was that was down to other factors I, I you know David Wagner played a huge role in that as well I think it, he's going to be up against an impossible standard long term because there are a lot of fans who are going to believe within two or three years they will be back in the Premier League and that is I'm not saying it's not achievable by any stretch you know look how close the club came last season but at the same time you look at not, the situation you're in now yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you say okay, well, it's a short-term deal till the end of the season. I could, do you know what? I could probably get on board with that because David Wagner would get them back up into mid-table and safety, mm-hmm. I think. But longer term, I just, I, I think Wagner's managerial career has stalled. If you want to talk about the individual, um, so I would hope he's going to come with something other than a four-two-three-one and a gang and press because. You know, it's evolved a bit since then. I think I just I, my gut feeling is that if the club get Wagner in and say it's a three-year contract, and 18 months in, it's not going well. And what I mean by it's not going well is not necessarily that they're bottom three, so not where they are now, but they're 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 in mid-table. They've had a more expensive level of recruitment because I'll hand on heart, I do not think David Wagner's going to come in without some sort of guarantee around a transfer budget in truth because he has been to Schalke and he has managed in the Champions League and Europa League with young boys as well at this point. So I I don't think he wants to come in and, and not have a little bit of... (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of say over that side of things, which we know kind of breaks the structure at town a little bit as well. I I just think that w- what do you do at that point, if things aren't going particularly well, because I just don't think you can. I don't think Huddersfield Town can park company with David Wagner. I think that's I think that's a huge issue. I think it's the only way they can do it is if it gets to the point where it's too late to do anything else. In mm. in truth that worries me you know that genuinely worries me and the other side of it is I just think that when you talk about needing a reset which I think is what the club did with Carlos Corbran over the summer before last season which was looked at the, the sort of handful of things that Corbyn was providing that were working, but then completely changed a sort of structure around him, asked him to change certain things about himself, shall we say. Um, you know, put a squad in that they felt was, was better. I think with Wagner, I think the temptation is to almost go back to a lot of things from 2016 and 2017 and 2018 that worked at the time, but are not necessarily going to work now. Ultimately, a lot of people don't want to hear anything I'm saying because they just want (laughs) David Wagner back in charge. And I am not foolish enough to think there won't be a huge short term bounce because what will happen is the whole stadium will be on their feet from the first minute till the end the players will feel that, the players will respond to that I'm sure some of these players who've been playing particularly badly will suddenly turn around and start playing really well out of the blue, shall we say Um and, yeah, you know, I, I'm under no illusions that people will be sort of ramming my words down the throat when, when town get themselves out of trouble and into upper mid-table and everything's all right. But And not
0: Brighton, Brighton out in the FA Cup third
1: round. Yeah, obviously, that's definitely going to happen. You know, particularly when we go and get, I don't know, Danny Schofield as our manager. But, um, yeah, I, I just... I think there's a huge case to bring David Wagner into this club at this point. I really do. You know, I would be foolish not to. I I agree Steve with everything you've said. But I also think mm-hmm. equally people need to understand it's it's far more high risk than they think. Yeah. It's more expensive than I think any coach will will have been since David Wagner. <laughs> uh, and I I just think it does break the structure a bit as well, Steve. Me and you mm-hmm. know how they have created the the head coach structure to, to sit within their framework. They've got Lee Bromby is is working as their sort of. However you want to call it, but to me it's director of football. I mean, you mm-hmm. can call it by any name you want, but it's director of football. But there's so much that goes into that structure below Lee Bromby and everything else. Does David Wagner come in and want to sit in that? I, I, I'm not sure. So I think, again, you you're compromising how you've set the club up to bring one person in who you know is going to keep the fans happy for a bit. And I, yeah, I, I listen. If it, if David Wagner says yes, you don't say no. <laughs> That's, yeah. the yeah. That's the reality. That's the hand-on-heart reality. And I'm not for a second saying they should say no or anything like that. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that it is, as I said, uh, there is quite a bit of risk and there is quite a bit on the line longer term. Because if you go and give him three years and it doesn't work out and somebody has to sack down, uh, David Wagner, where on earth do you go after that? Mm-hmm. Where on earth do you go? So, I yeah. yeah.
0: If you were to ask me my honest opinion, because I played the devil's advocate role there, I think I'm with you in that I would I'd be quite happy I'd, with Wagner in uh, what I call the Kenny Dalglish role mm-hmm. mm. which is when Roy Hodgson was sacked by Liverpool and Kenny Dalglish came back in and was just there for sort of 18 months while they sort of steadied themselves up and then they uh got rid and got brendan Rodgers in which then pushed them into the future mm-hmm. um and i wouldn't mind david wagner in that role i could see him being a huge success in that role but i agree with yeah pretty much everything you said there about the the longer term point i mean it could be academic anyway you know we don't know if he'd yeah. take the job you know for all we know by the time this has gone out he's gone on radio uh gelson and said <laughs> you know I'm absolutely not interested. I'm out of the running.
1: You, you, you really panicked then, didn't you? <laughs> you really panicked. I BBC Radio guests, but K- no. We, listen, we are both <laughs> of the mind that if David Wagner will come, will cut. You know, he will come. But yeah, he, he's going to want certain things and certain guarantees and certain levels of money and yeah, you know, yeah. and everything that so. goes along with that. So it's worth looking at. If David Wagner says no, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what do you think they need?
1: Uh, Grandpa? Potter. <laughs> um, I do you think, think they could
0: get him out of Chelsea?
1: Well, could anyone? Mm. Um, I think, realistically, I, I completely agree with everything that's been said, and you talked about it earlier in terms of what the squad needs, and the squad needs somebody who's going to read them the right act. And I, 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 re- I genuinely mean right from the off. I, I don't I don't think that squad is in a place where anyone should come in and start cupping them and giving them a cuddle on the training pitch. I really think they need a rocket up their bums. Yeah. So you, you there needs to be a certain character to do that. And if you look at some of the if you look at some of the names on the list, there's one or two that seem a bit balmy, But you look at I'm not gonna, I'm not going to write him off completely. But you look at a Michael Carrick and you think do you, is he the man to do that? <laughs> is he the man to sort of come in and and do that? I, I think, I
0: think you could make a case that if a player, if a you know, if they were going for someone inexperienced like that, and I would, I would hope they would go for someone more experienced in truth, or at very least pair them with you know, as we talked about earlier yeah. with Schofield, you know, a more experienced head. Um, I think more important than sort of you know a bruiser who's going to come in and throw teacups at the wall, um, that it's someone that the players respect, and if yeah. they say run an extra mile for me, Mm. they'll run the extra mile for him without questioning it, um, rather than going, who are you to tell me to run an extra mile? Um, So I think it needs to be someone who has a bit of clout, either from name value as a player and someone who can, you know, a bit medals on the table, to be honest, which isn't the kind of thing I'd normally say, but I think it does apply here. You won them Uh, all
1: by cheating.
0: (laughs) 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 Or... or, or, um, or someone who has achieved something as a manager, you know, yeah. so who's got a promotion, even if it's a promotion yeah. from League One, but, but within the last couple of years, kind of thing.
1: I couldn't agree with you more on that front. It's, it's got to be somebody who comes in with an aura. Yeah, it really has and the other thing is we're we just sort of going on some of the people that the bookies have suggested etc I think one of the things that strikes that that stands out to me is that David Wagner is clear favorite and then everybody else as you go through them you just go well he's nothing like him and he's absolutely nothing like him and he's but absolutely they're guessing, aren't they? yeah a, I
0: look at that bookies list and they're guessing
1: yeah, absolutely. So I would imagine the one that sticks out to me, and I will go out on a limb, is is Neil Collins, because I think there's an awful lot of sense to that decision in that I think he's I think he's granite, you know, I think he's hard as nails from everything I've read. He's got a, a decent level of, of experience as a player, he's now got a decent level of experience as a coach. From what I can see he is somebody who doesn't necessarily have the trophy cabinet but certainly has the personality to come in and say we're gonna do it like this and if you don't like it lump it so I think that's an interesting name on the list um but yeah it it really does feel like dartboard at a manager's list doesn't it with some of yeah. those names
0: and it's worth saying we're recording this sort of you know later in the day after the sat Danny Schofield will. You know, we have been talking to people. You know, we're not we're not daft. We've not you and I haven't sat sat around twiddling our thumbs all day. Um, we have been talking to people, but it's it's early days at the moment. I think uh, maybe brace yourselves that it might take a bit of time, um, as it did a couple of years, a couple, three years ago when they but got that, the cowleys in.
1: But you know, like I I I think if you have to sacrifice a couple of games under. Oh, do you know what? Do you know how bad my brain is at the moment? I was gonna say under a supply teacher. <laughs> under, <laughs> under a caretaker manager. Um, but but that's what it takes to get the person you believe is the right man longer term. Mm. I think I think it is what it is. But, they they have to get this right. You know, they're in the bottom three, they're five points adrift. The atmosphere is toxic, the squad need a rocket, they can't afford to get this one wrong this season, no, absolutely or, not. I, I mean, like, they're like, naked. like him or loathe him, and believe me, we know a lot of people loathe him because every time we mention it, we get <laughs> they pop up in our DMs and on Twitter. But you know, Danny Cowley did perform a little bit of a minor miracle from the mm-hmm. from the start. They had you can't get to the point where it, it's going to take a major miracle for someone coming in. That's the issue. Well, it just shouldn't. It just they're
0: already only three points better off than they were after eight games in the Cowley season, you know. Mm. But I think they're in a much better, you know, that squad compared to the squad they had yeah. then and the players that were uninterested. And, yeah, I think it is chalk and cheese. I think this this squad is capable of more. Um, but, which I don't think that squad they had then necessarily was. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I The one thing I would say, though, is while it might take time and it's more important that they get the right person then rush into an appointment uh, because, you know, <laughs> well, speaks for itself, doesn't it? Um, I think that they do have that international break, you know, after the Cardiff mm. game, two weeks that a new appointment could, up to two weeks that a new appointment could spend working with the team. And even if they get just a week of that, that would be massive for them. If it's dragging into the Reading game that, that starts... After the international break, and they've still not got someone in place, uh, I think that's a, a bit of a, a bit of a concern. Um, but I think if they can, you know, get someone in in the next seven to ten days, um, and it's the right person, fine. But uh, I just didn't want anyone to sort of go away thinking they're going to announce someone on Friday morning, particularly because there's been a rumour since that West Brom game that Wagner is done and dusted and definitely in. Because um, if there's one thing I can tell you for sure, it's that that is not the case. No. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Right, do we have anything else to add, Dave?
1: No, not really. I just, I can't believe we're doing another one of these podcasts so quickly.
0: I know. Musical recommendation?
1: Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still just listening to a load of Massive Attack and namely protection more than anything else but just enjoy massive attack just go mad on them which is the one with the house theme song on that's teardrop which is i actually think is not one of their better tunes but it's it's one of their more commercial tunes in literally because it does seem to pop up on a commercial about once a year quite regularly But, yeah, going back to Protection, that is just an outstanding record. really is.
0: There you go. Uh, I'll give a little shout to St Vincent's fourth album, uh, which is an eponymous album, confusingly. Normally the first album, isn't it? The eponymous Mm. one. Um, But hers is her fourth. Uh, It's from 2014, but it's... uh, it's a classic for me. Uh, there you go. Right. Thank you, Town fans. Uh, hopefully, I mean, we're going to have plenty news for you um, in the coming days, aren't we? One way or the other. Uh, I'm not at the Cardiff game on Saturday, so in some ways, I'm glad they've made the decision now rather than <laughs> wait till Saturday. Um, given that I won't be there, I've had that booked off since June, but I believe there will be uh, appropriate cover provided. Uh, and I think we'll have a podcast for you Um We'll probably wait until they've got a manager sorted, won't we, Dave? Because otherwise we'll just be covering the same ground we just covered.
1: Yeah, I would have said so. I am at the Cardiff game, but not in the dugout that I know of. But I'm available.
0: Supply teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great stuff. Right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for
0: joining us. Goodbye.
1: What was the name of that book you recommended on the last pod? (laughs) Silver Linings, Bobby Robson's England.